Today's podcast is uh, an interview with one of my absolute favorite comedians. His name is Greg Proops. Not an easy thing to spell or say, but really on the brilliant side, knows his comedy, improvising with the Whose Line Is It Anyway group. And uh, just listen to him. You'll find out so much about comedy that you didn't know. I can't imagine that there's anyone who has listening to a podcast that doesn't know Greg Proops. Brett, Greg Proops is a terrible hard. Yeah. Greg Proops. It's part of the Probst family of Proops names. <laughs> How, what is, what, is there a, a, a larger version of like Proops, Proopsburg? No, no. it's uh, from a, a small European country uh, called Scatologia. And uh, that's, <laughs> I can't believe it's my name, quite frankly. I'll be honest. I've, I've never really come to grips with it after all these years. I mean, I'm happy with it now, but sometimes when I say it, I'm like, really? I have to say Proops? <laughs> <laughs> well, what nationality? Which, what is Proops? I think it's Czech, German. Czech. Yeah, Czech. yeah. The, on that side, Jews from yeah. from Europe. Yeah. It's it's a Jewish name, basically. Yes. I I never knew that you were Jewish. Um, well, my father was Jewish, so I'm half a Jew, half which a in Jew. Hollywood half is yeah. hardly any Jew at all, yeah. as you know. <laughs> yes. Uh, but my whole dad's side is from Brooklyn and lived on Bay Parkway. Yeah. Uh, on the, across the street or behind them was the Howards. Uh, my grandfather claimed to have known. Uh, uh, Mo and Shemp and oh, oh really yeah and uh, my uncle Bill came to see me once years ago uh, uh, on tour with uh, Drew Carey and he said the last time I was at a comedy club was to see the Three Stooges in 1948 or whatever and I was, <laughs> because you know my father knew them and uh, so uh, that was evidently the Howards are from Bay Parkway as well uh, so Greg uh, Robin and I we, we go back with you to Largo oh yeah and Largo was a, a, a Across from the deli, was it? Or, yeah. Across. Straight across from Canners. Straight, straight across from Canners. And Largo had a, a lot of musicians with all these big names. We were there, and so was everyone I know in comedy because of you. Oh, that's nice to really. hear. No, it is, it's a fact. Your improv, improvisational chops are unbelievable. And now, you know, I, I, I must say, I hate the comedy boom. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that there is a comedy right. boom. It's not right. It's it wrong. is wrong. Yeah. Well, we're trusted voices in media now, you know. They're taking the the conscience place of the conscience of the mainstream media and now yes. people go to John Oliver and, you know, Samantha B. Yeah. So it's like uh, I didn't join up for this to be a square. I, I joined <laughs> right. up for this to be a hip cat smoking yeah. reefer. So I, I I was a bohemian. I never wanted a job. Uh when I had jobs I hated them. Uh <laughs> Yeah, it is horrible being accepted into mainstream society. So you, you also, well, you're a stand-up comedian as well, right? I am. Yeah. You should have a series. You should have... Well, thank you, David. Really? Be, well, Make some calls, won't you? <laughs> well... <laughs> <laughs> Tell my manager. Whose line is it anyway is uh, one of the great improvisational communities well, we're still ever. on, believe it or not. It's, yeah. We're 26 years into this. Yeah. And, uh, and, but what an incredible group of improvisers. Every, oh, yeah. er, everyone there. Give me the names of them. Uh, Ryan Styles is the tall one. Tall. Uh, Colin Mockery is the older fellow. Can uh, a Canadian, I might Canadian. add. Yeah. Yes, uh, right. And very Canadian, born in Scotland, uh, and then <laughs> is, moved is to Canada. Right? Oh, yeah. Well, and, mockery uh, sounds like that. Yeah, yeah. he's from uh, Kilmarnock, I think. And uh, Wayne Brady, of course, uh, the yeah. show off he won. Yeah. And uh, Aisha's the host now. We're on the CW. Yeah. And um, I'm in a group with Ryan, uh, Jeff Davis, who's on Dan Harmon's show, and Joel Murray, who's Bill Murray's brother. Uh-huh. So the four of us go out as well. And then we just did uh, Who's Line on the West End at the Palladium for two weeks with Colin 
uh, Brad, who's Colin's partner, Jeff Davis, Josie Lawrence from The English Show, Clive Anderson from The English Show, uh-huh. and Linda and Laura from The American Show. So, and we've done that for two years in a row. So people go, don't you miss being on Who's Line? It's like, I don't actually. Um, I can't shake them. Uh, I work yes. with them all the time. I'm yes. on the road with Ryan uh, yeah. all of September, October. Yes. Uh, so I see them more than I want to. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so, it, it's actually great to have the commu- a community like that. Smart, yeah. funny people. They're not different when you're doing Who's Line. No. They are who, who, what they sound like and how they talk, and it's remarkable. So did you guys do the festivals, the Edinburgh Festival, and all those uh, that, those kind of fringe? We did with uh, Who's Line three years ago, and uh, the people who own the name Who's Line wouldn't let us call it Who's Line Is It Anyway? So th- I believe the show was called What Does the Title Matter Anyway? Which is... <laughs> Slightly unwieldy in a comedic sense, uh, and really wouldn't draw the punters in. But we uh, we did three two weeks on the in Edinburgh three years ago, and we had a thousand people in a night. We sold yeah. everybody yeah. ticket, and the show hasn't been on the air in England uh, on regular on terrestrial as they call it there uh-huh. uh, for ages. Yeah. So to have them. Uh, to have them come out like that was fantastic. And I think that's what led the producers of Who's Line to want to put it on the West End the last two years. Oh, that's great. Because they saw the kind of action we got in Edinburgh. So, Greg, what other uh, fields are there to conquer? I mean, you're, you're in, in the improv community. If, you're, if you know improvisation anyway, everyone knows you. Everyone respects you. But you're not like a big star name because... Uh, you're like Colin Mockery and all, and all of you from Whose Line Is It Anyway? I imagine you've got a lot of recognition from that. Not that re- recognition is the goal, but it's not a bad thing to have. No. Obscurity is hard to labor under. Uh, I've tried to be for the few over my career and not the many. Uh, yeah, people still ask me if I'm a stand-up, and I've been doing stand-up, of course, for 30 years. Oh, you're the best uh, at it. If you only know me from Whose Line, I'm, I'm very cool with that. Sure. I'm not one of those people who's like, Oh, don't bring that up. You know, I remember meeting um, a famous actor who was on Star Trek once and uh, not William Shatner, who's completely wild, but another one. And I said, uh, we love you on Star Trek. And he went, I've done many other things besides that. And I was like, (laughs) I know. But the thing is, you were in like 10 feature films and three, you know, I I don't know how to explain away your fame. Like embrace it, you know, embrace it. Although my wife and I have this theory, you know, when you meet people and then and you're a fan, if you bring up the main thing they do. Did, they're always like thank you but if you bring up an arcane thing that they did that failed they always love you yes, uh, yes. years ago we were at a party in San Francisco it was a theater party mm-hmm. and uh, Cleavon Little was doing I'm Not Rappaport with Judd Hirsch in San Francisco this mm-hmm. is ages ago yeah. and uh, one of the cats from the show came in and he goes oh Cleavon's coming to the party and I'll let you know when he comes right so Cleavon comes in and we're outside on the stoop and I says you know what I loved you in Vanishing Point which is an obscure 70s art film yes, with Barry yeah. Newman. And yeah. Cleavon Little turned and went, that's my favorite thing I've ever done. And I was like, did I hit a home run with that one? Like, Because if I'd said Blazing Saddles or yeah. Temperatures Rising yeah. or anything else, he'd yeah. have gone, yeah, I know, I know. Yeah. Everybody yeah. loves Blazing Saddles. Yeah. Well, the obscure things that you do stay with you longer than the successful one. Yeah. I, I did a movie in Chicago in let's see, must have been 65, 66. And it was called uh, Frank's Great Adventure. Oh, really? I think I had just started in Second City, literally Mm -hmm. like three weeks before this film. The odd thing about the film is my co-star was Nelson Algren. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. 
who was a Chicago guy. Oh, yeah. yeah. Walk on the Wild Side. Walk on the Wild Side and uh, Neon Jungle. Yeah, and, you know, so amazing many, writer. So Phil Kaufman and I run into, I see him in San Francisco. Uh-huh. You know, we're talking like 64, something like that. And it's such a reference point when you have the first thing that you ever did yeah. and john voigt was the star of it wow and and uh uh starlet at the time monique van Vuren. sure yeah right so so he was frank <laughs> in frank's big adventure frank's great adventure great, no. great adventure yeah it, the, it was i don't know who but it wasn't nelson algren how did they rope nelson algren into doing a movie because he lived in chicago oh sure he hung out at second city for the improv set only did because, he really? yeah yeah, yeah. And uh, and he and I became friends. And my first album was all. Remember, I was doing all the biblical stuff. Yeah. So I did the Incredible Shrinking God, and uh, he did the liner notes for that album. Oh my God, yeah. that's fantastic! Yeah, and and no one knows him anymore. It's amazing. He was just an incredible writer. Sure, yeah. sure. Just walk on the wild side alone was amazing. Oh yeah. Yeah, but Chicago was very good. Chicago sort of the home of all the improvisation. Started with Second City and. Like oh, that. absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, did you do Second City in Canada before you came to the Chicago one? No, there was no Second City in Canada when I was in Second City. Right, okay. So I was Second City in Chicago. you're from Winnipeg, right? I'm from Winnipeg, yeah. yeah. Were you already doing stand-up then? No, I never did. I did stand-up uh, years later. Oh. I stayed in Second City for four years or so. But mostly, I always went back to Second City in Chicago. I always needed a base like that. And I always loved to, the improvisation was everything. So when I lost it, I felt I was not as good as I could be not improvising every night. Right. Which, which is what you've done your whole career. I work a lot, a couple, at least a couple hundred days a year. So yeah, we, you, you got you to gotta stay in tune. It's a muscle, as they say, and all that yeah, jazz. But you were, as an MC, you would do stand-up, then you would improvise. I, well, you know, we were there for you. Every everyone was there for you in that group. It's an amazing. And there were like eighty, hundred people. Would you say? Oh yeah, yeah. the old one was a yeah. real magic place. I mean, the yeah. new one is nice too, and lots of comics play there. Uh, but the, I said to the owner Flanagan, uh, someone I'd read a quote somewhere where said, uh, "Every scene needs a clubhouse." And that, the old Largo really was our clubhouse yeah. because he, I would go on other nights and just watch musicians or other comics sure. and it would be uh, Paul Tompkins or Marilyn Ricecube or, yeah. or, or Patton Oswald or uh, Sarah yeah. or Margaret or whatever. And so I had access to all the comics and on top of it, I had access to all the musicians, John Bryan in particular. Y- yes. Uh, and of course, I had friends that had friends and I'd bring them in too. So golly, we had a... Uh, Joe Walsh and uh, yes. Fiona Apple and uh, the Eagles. Every every one of them was there every night that we were there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. and they were there because of you, which is incredible. And that was a great audience, the Largo mm. audience. It was fantastic. And, and yeah. Drew Carey sat in a lot. And I remember Drew yes. one night um, brought in uh, an accordion band that was friends of his. He'd hired them. And Drew's a pretty decent singer. He can sing, mm. and he can dance a little too. But he he gets up to sing, and he sang a couple numbers, and he was about a half step off uh-huh. for both numbers. And John. Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin was in the audience that night, right? And because he had done a gig with someone at Largo the night yeah. before. So after the show, they, uh, they're like, you want to meet John Paul Jones? And we're like, yeah, we want to meet John Paul Jones. So we walk over to John Paul Jones. And uh, of course, he's beautiful and uh, perfectly formed and ever so polite British rock star. Yeah. yeah. And he goes, oh, it was a terribly funny show. I really enjoyed it. And Drew goes, I'm sorry about my singing. And uh, John Paul Jones goes, apology accepted. <laughs> <laughs> and Drew loves to sing. He he, oh, yeah. he knows all the uh, Alan Sherman stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. all that all oh, that old. He sang stuff. "Shake Hands with Your Uncle Max" one night at the yeah, show. Yeah, 
which was hysterical. Yeah. My friend, da, da, yeah. Da, da, yeah. Yeah. Stein with an E I and Stein with a Y. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, what's your favorite thing to do? I mean, you certainly you act in films, right? I, I'm, I do more voices than acting, really, in right. films. Voices. Uh, I haven't. I haven't had an acting role in a while, but uh, I was on a kid's show in Nickelodeon years ago, and every single one of the kids on the show is a star now. Um, and of course, they were all hideously talented at the time. Of course, they were children when I met them, like 15. Wow. The best part of being on a kid's show was we had a hard out at 8 o'clock. So no matter what we were doing, the last take was great. You know what I mean? It was 7.55, and they go like, yes. let's do the scene again. And then they're like, moving on. Yes. Yeah. That's a wrap. Yeah, it was none of this stand till 3 in the morning to get it oh, right. That's, that's awful. It was that, heaven yeah. having minors on the show, you oh, know. it's ideal. Because yeah. <laughs> I'd be like, I'll be home at 8.30, honey. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The ideal gig is being in your jammies by 10 o'clock. Oh, you know? Yeah, and a glass of wine. And yeah. that... Uh, because I remember saying to Ashley, uh, and she's wildly talented, right? And Kiki, too. Uh, um, she had never seen The Wizard of... It was Christmas. And I was like, I want to get you guys a, uh, an age-appropriate gift. Mm -hmm. uh, Kiki asked for Dante's Inferno. What do you do with a 16-year-old millionaire who asked for Dante's Inferno? So I went and got her Dante's Inferno. I found a big hardcover copy. Uh, I don't know that she's read it, but she wanted it, uh, uh -huh. which I was impressed by. But Ashley goes, I've never seen The Wizard of Oz. And I went home to my wife and I go, how can a kid have never seen The Wizard of Oz and be 16 years old? And my wife goes, Greg, when you were five, you weren't rehearsing all day. <laughs> Just, she was in The Lion King from the time she was six or seven years wow. old. Oh, so there was no point in her career where she wasn't in show business. You know what I mean? Like So interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I thought... Uh, so I gave her The Wizard of Oz and Casablanca, I think. And she'd never seen them. And she was like, oh, these are really good. And you're like, well, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, I remember watching The Wizard of Oz when I was you know, five years old. Sure. But as my wife said, like, she was like, you have to understand, you had, you had a childhood. Yeah, they did she, not get a childhood. No, no, when At 15, they're the breadwinner of their family and they're stars on TV. Yeah. And now they're all 22 and they're still... Yes. You know, yeah. Yeah. Holding it down to be a to be the kid and be a breadwinner. That's a lot. That's too much pressure. Isn't right? that wild? Yeah. I yeah. would never do it to a child. No. Um, it's I mean, the they want to do it, and they're all well adjusted. Right. In those days, it was the Disney. We were on Nickelodeon. It was the Disney kids that were all the ones that were all drugged up and yes. a mess. Yeah. Uh, and famously, the Nickelodeon kids were all straight arrows. And uh, <laughs> yes. Have you ever gotten in trouble for anything? On yeah, stage. I said a terrible uh, line on Chelsea once about, and I wish I'd never said it, about Amy Winehouse. She was playing in Serbia or something. I said, first they went through ethnic purging, now this. And uh, I got all these Serbians wrote me on Facebook and told me they were going to kill me. And uh, <laughs> uh, Chelsea got in bad trouble for it too. And everybody, it was, it was just a really glib, horrible, casual line that I oughtn't have said that I don't feel very good about. But n nothing that's got me thrown off anything. No. On whose line there was a censor? When we did it on ABC, I'm assuming there still is one on the CW. And we would be eating lunch, and the censor came by me one day and went, have a great show. And I went, you have a great show, and let me fucking say something today. Because if I ever said anything on the show that was even the mildest innuendo or implication, everybody would go, oh my, stop, stop, cut. Because they really, Whose Line's a family show, you know? Yeah. And they, although they let us do more homosexual sex than any other family show, I'm forever going on dates with all the other guys and having them on top of me and inside of me. They were desperate to never make a religious joke or, uh, yeah. you know, anything like that. Yeah. Religion is always a tough... Yeah, religion... The toughest yeah, sell, yeah, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah, um, you're going to alienate someone, especially yeah. if you're satirical or... Well, yeah. I had a manager once who said to me, uh, I don't like political humor because as soon as you open your mouth, you're alienating half the crowd. And I thought, well, one, no, uh, <laughs> political humor is vital. And two, yeah. 
how did you divide the world up into two? <laughs> Let me get this straight. Half the crowd hates me, not 18% of the crowd or whatever. Because I'm going for the full money here. I want a room full of hate mail, you know. Um, no, I just did Montreal last week and uh, the festival, and I did a set there. And they were not digging my magic at the beginning of the set. and Because uh, I did a joke about, I said, a woman dreamed the world into existence. Uh, that's how it came to be. And this isn't a theory. This is a fact I thought of. I go on to say, if it, uh, that's why it's the Big Bang and all this. And then I had another joke about Trump, which was um, his wife, Melania, the um, famous philosopher and noted Slovenian pole dancer, said that <laughs> he wasn't Hitler. And I said, no, he, he isn't Hitler. Hitler had a plan <laughs> and, and wrote his own book. He didn't have a ghostwriter that went, you know, you should put more struggle in here. Yeah. <laughs> Get, get, get your own mind caught for something. That's hilarious. And uh, some people, my, my other comedy manager was like, that joke was hilarious. But I could tell that Canadian crowds can be very diffident. Well, they're uh, very, it's a conservative uh, Scottish country, mostly. Yes, uh, they're, they've got that Presbyterian uh, misery. And yeah. uh, uh, they tend to be shot. Yes. We bring people out to do improv with them. And we just sing a song to them or whatever. And it's very... Yeah you know, good natured and yes. aren't we all having a great time? And the only two times I remember having to send people back into the club was in Winnipeg at the Burton Cummings Theater uh, and, oh, yes. uh, and another joint up in maybe Ontario somewhere. We brought a woman out of the crowd and like, what do you do for a living? And paralyzed, paralyzed, right? Like Jackie Gleason, you know, nothing. What's your name? You know, and you think, they're so shy. The Canadians yes. are so shy. Because yes. I've played it all over the world, and that's the only... And so we, okay, go on back, and then we get someone else. And that, boy, does that slow an improv show down? <laughs> to send an audience member back. We who are about to die. I'm like, what do you think we're going to do to you up here? You know, yes. We're going to sing a funny song. That's all that's going to happen. <laughs> yes. But literally, the paralyzation, just yeah. sitting on the stool like this. Yes. Yeah. What, what's your husband's name? You know, yeah. and I remember uh, uh, playing in New Zealand, and uh, I said, "You guys are awfully, awfully reserved here." He said, "We're the Canadians of the South Pacific," <laughs> <laughs> and they're a conservative country too, and very yeah. Scottish. Uh, and I think that's where it comes from because Aussies yeah. aren't like that. Uh, yeah. They're they're rowdy, and they yeah. they get jokes, and Irish people too, yeah. and Scottish people, you know, <clears throat> the nastiest, wildest sense of humor. Yes. But Canadians and and Kiwis can be a little bit like, oh. That one hurt. <laughs> Don't go too far. Yeah. Even though Canada has so many fantastic yeah, caustic great, great comedians. Com- yeah. Winnipeg, ironically, now is a comedy center. Yeah. Yeah, they have, you know, so much comedy there, little comedy clubs and all that. One of my favorite lines was a Canadian line, and Canada was a little nervous about it, and then they finally embraced it, was my dad never lived to see his dream of an all Yiddish speaking Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so finally Canadians did, they were nervous about it. Then I, everywhere I'd go, they yeah. would quote the line, which, yeah. was, which was great. Well, that's the fun part of Montreal is that it's Montreal's uh, great. It's way Jewier than, than, yes. ever, than say the prairie. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I always thought uh, Montreal was one of always a great audience. I thought oh, yeah. yeah, it was really a good audience. When, when you do a TV taping, it's it's almost like doing a subscription theater. Yes, they're right. square. It's a lot of couples. This right. might be the one time all year they've gone out to yeah. see something, and uh, yeah, you can push them in a little bit, but you can't push them all the way yeah. uh, to the end. Um, whereas in Edinburgh during the festival is a little bit square because it's a lot of people coming in to see it. But Scotland in general is pretty rough and ready. I mean, I did Glasgow last year, and I was never more nervous. I've been doing this a hundred years. 
I did it this year, in fact, it was March. One night was the podcast, which is fine, because that's just me spieling with a drink and the mic. And I brought a woman up and she read some poetry. And there's a very awful Scottish poet named Ewan McGonagall, right? Who's like notoriously bad. <laughs> and someone gave me a volume of his poetry and I go, well, I can't read this because my accent's terrible. <laughs> so I brought a Glaswegian girl up to read it and she read it and the rhymes are just, you know. And in the endless starting night, I was there to have a fight. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> Dr. Seuss, like, or except not without the cleverness. And, uh, and drinking and giving out a tablet to the audience, which is their horrible sugar candy, like maple sugar yes. candy. And uh, then the next night I did stand up and I was freaking out because I'm like, Glaswegian audiences are the cleverest hecklers in the world. <laughs> and if you fuck up with them, they'll eviscerate you. <laughs> and um, I was pacing back and forth before the show. Like, oh my God, I've got to hit these people hard. So of course the first 20 minutes, I'm completely out of control, you know, and I'm rattling it off. And then I settle down for the second half. And my wife's like, why are you so nervous? Nervous. And I'm like, because I want to please them, goddammit. They're, they're a demanding comedy crowd. Yes. And then, of course, I, I was signing books after, and I'd mentioned all the women leaders of the world because I have a big obsession with, uh, you know, that I I'm a big Hillcat, and I want Hillary to be president. And I go into this big diatribe about it. And I list all the countries of the world that have mm -hmm. women leaders, right? Mm -hmm. And it's dozens. And then I go, but not America. And, of course, after the show, the first fucking 10 people come up and go, um, Scotland has a first minister, that's a woman, right? Like I'd forgotten her completely. <laughs> oh God. And I got busted oh. for it. Yeah, oh. yeah. Oh, Where else are you gonna get busted for that? Well, because- oh, no, our first minister's a woman, right? <laughs> Did you not remember that then? Slip your mind, did it? <laughs> and you're like, <laughs> yeah, they're very provincial. They're uh, no question. It's mm, like it's a little, wildly it's a little town. Yeah, or as I always call them the 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 the, the best pseudo nation in Europe. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Edinburgh Festival sounds so sophisticated; it's unbelievable. Just it's, Edinburgh, it's fun. yeah, it's there's, gotta be there's great. a couple of literally a thousand or more comics there any year. I'm not there this year because it's right now. Uh, but last year when I went, but I looked at the the thing before it started this year, and it said there's 1,200 comics. Wow. I mean, it's 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 insane how yes. many comedians there. Every level from, you know, yeah. three three people in a room to giant headliners in a in the playhouse and this and that and uh, and they are a devoted comedy crowd. That's why I try to do something different every time I go yeah. back. If you go back and do your same stand up act again. It's tough. Do yeah, you yeah. hear about it? The papers yeah. who go, oh, he told a four-year-old joke. They'll know how old you... I remember, oh, that's so they used terrible. To do a joke, they have a camera obscure on yes. the Roma. And I go, <laughs> yes. I was there today and two children died of boredom. Right? This is just a terrible old joke. Yes. And I remember one of the papers was like, he's telling four-year-old jokes about the camera obscure in his show. It's like, the show's an hour. That was one joke. Will you get off my dick? Like They'll never forget it. <laughs> no, 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 no. How dare you tell a yeah. joke you told... For four, four years, years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, people still think that everything is made up. Even, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because you say improv and they don't realize that. Maybe <laughs> Some I've of it, it. Might, yeah. might be repeated. I, I can use over. recall as well. Yeah. Exactly. No, I think they think it's magic. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, who did you see when you were a kid that said something to you about well you of course oh, thank uh, you thank i remember you uh, uh on the smothers brothers and, yes. and every other show and of course uh, the awesome turn on the odd couple yes uh where you that see was, little orphan annie with uh, oh, my favorite thing that ever, i've ever done is it yeah was it oh yeah. i'm glad i remember that yeah it is it was because it was tony randall and jack Klugman, of yeah. course 
And at that time, I was I only smoked cigars like for a month or so. Uh-huh. But I I came in smoking a cigar, and Tony Randall said no, 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 and he yeah. grabbed this very expensive cigar right. and threw it out the window. <laughs> and then he wasn't talking to me all day, and we have to rehearse and get it going. But really, yeah, yeah, but brilliant, brilliant. Oh yeah, both of them. They were great. Oh, they're astounding. Yeah, yeah. and then the the it was written by um, Jerry Belson. Uh huh. And and it was they were they're just great writers and it was yeah it was me guest hosting on the Tonight Show right. and they go and he froze that was the joke froze. I remember yeah, he froze right. and and but before the show was how do you do everybody yeah, how right. do you do yes. and I knew he was the, the life old, of the party before he went on yeah and 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 I I knew the old songs uh, uh who's the little chatterbox uh, the one with all the goldilocks yeah. could it be a little long and he freezes on the air yeah. and I can't I said and I start to say. Who's that little chatterbox? Yeah. And Tony Randall goes, Who's that little chatterbox? <laughs> He's still defeated. Yeah. Uh, he was, they, were, they were both hilarious. One of my favorite things. Oh, my God. Yeah, that, that was, was really funny. So me and others, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well uh, the old, all the old-time comedians, because they still put them on the air all the time. I remember watching a show called, it was a special called Jack Benny's uh, retirement party and the whole joke was that he was retiring but he wasn't of course and so it was Burl and Hope and Burns uh, yes. and Benny and Lucy Ball and everyone on it every single person came on the set and went Jack congratulations on your retirement and he went but I'm not retiring like 27 <laughs> times in the show yeah, yes. and I remember crying each time he did it yes uh um, uh, Jackie Leonard, who used to go on Merv Griffin all yes, the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my father is from Brooklyn, and he really liked insult comedians. B.F. Pulley yes. and uh, uh, um, Rickles was his favorite. Yes, and and Jackie Leonard, uh, and who never did anything but shout at people. Yes, and he, uh, he was there before Rickles. Yeah. and and he always blamed Rickles for stealing his act. Actually, well, not in some I, I'm ways. not surprised by yeah. that because yeah. uh, he. Well, uh, what was his big line? Don't touch me! I'm a star. Yes. Uh, uh. Yes. and then he, he, he was on when. They did an old-time roast on Dean Martin. This is before the 70s one. Leonard's at the end of the... Uh, uh, anyways, a round-faced Jewish with the giant glasses and sometimes a hat. And he goes, Hey, Dean, say something in mafia. Like that. And those, those, are his, <laughs> those are his jokes. Uh, so I really loved all the... Um, the old time comics. Did you um, listen to radio on yeah. the, the, those communities? I grew up in the Bay Area, and in the Bay Area, there was a, a radio show on at night that a, a DJ named John Gilliland ran, and it was called uh, The Comedy Hour. And not only did he play all the old time, the Bickersons and uh, Benny and um, Fields, you know, uh, with, with Charlie McCarthy and all that, mm-hmm. but he would play new records. He played Your Record, Booga Booga, uh, Mort Saul's Sing a Song of Watergate, and then in those days, Python, their first album. I, before I saw them on TV, I remember him going, here's a group from England you should hear. And so he spun the Monty Python record. Yes, so I listened great. to his show every night, right? Yeah. Like, And so that was a comedy education, which no one does for anyone anymore. No. The curating yes. of comedy is, is as important as any other. Yes. Never mind Comedy yeah. Central or a comedy station. Yes. There curating was, comedy. Yeah, yeah. Um, In Chicago, there's a guy named Dan Sorkin. Oh, Dan Sorkin came to San Francisco. Oh, and then he... Uh, yeah, and he After curated Chicago. comedy. Yeah. And he put Newhart on for the first yeah. time in Chicago. And I loved yeah. Dan Sorkin. Yeah, he's, he was great. I remember hearing all those records. And then, of course, uh, Carlin and Pryor, from the time they were suit and tie comics, when I first saw them on the variety shows, yeah. and then when they both uh, uh, went, uh, you know, 
counterculture in the early 70s, late 60s, when my parents started to hate them. Sure. And then that's when I really liked them, right? Of course. Because when George Carlin wore a suit and tie and did the hippie dippy weatherman, my, my father thought he was great. Then the hair grew, and then it was speed and yes. marijuana and, yeah. hair and this and that. And then it's like, these goddamn hippies and their drugs. So I, I happen to think that Richard Pryor, if we're going to like break it down, uh, there's no ranking comedians because comedy is like poetry. It's, yeah, yeah. it's completely subjective. Yeah. One person's E.E. E. Cummings is yeah. another person's you know, Dominique Prima, and you hate yeah. them or whatever. If we're going to measure that, I think that Pryor is the greatest stand-up comic of all time because of the pathos. Uh, yeah. He has what Chaplin had, yeah. which was the ability to talk about being a starving person yeah. from a ghetto. Yes. And your mother's a prostitute. Yes. And he, the most profoundly sad and hilarious joke, I'd answer the door and there'd be a white man standing there going, is your mother home? Can I get a blowjob? And yeah. it gets a huge yeah. laugh. Yes. And then you think, the pain of that joke yes. Yes. is extraordinary. Yes. And it got a killing, just killing laugh. Uh, yes. So I don't think he's like measurably there's no quantitating funny so he's not greater but i think in my mind he was a superb actor yes and to get people to be able to cry and laugh is a real rare skill yeah. i mean I, I think carlin is my favorite comic because i could never aspire to be richard Pryor because i don't yeah. have the background or the yes. wherewithal yeah. whereas prior uh, carlin i always felt was just almost like Samuel Beckett. By the time he finished in his career, I'd see him come on The Tonight Show or something, and he'd say two lines. They'd ask him a lengthy question, mm -hmm. and he'd have two mm -hmm. lines that he had constructed, mm -hmm. because George Carlin did not improvise. He constructed yes. comedy. Yes. Things changed for George. He, he had an act. It was Burns and Allen. Right. Jack Burns and, and George Carlin, rather. Sure. Yeah. And they were in Chicago, and, and then Jack Burns stayed at Second City, and George was great even improvising for the first time he was great but he just he knew that that wasn't for him but as I knew him through the years he grew into the notion that he was a writer mm. and that was really important to him so sometimes I would go see him and he'd say David I got stuff and I just uh, I'd love for you to hear it and he would he would take what he had written and just read it right. for the audience yeah which is so bold to do that. Oh my God, it's incredible. Yeah. And then he would do something old for them so that they right. could, yeah. Right, so football would, or baseball yeah, or whatever right. teams yeah. are. I saw him do it at the comedy store. Yeah. And he said, I haven't finished memorizing this part. Um, and then he said a line that I won't forget, which was, I don't improvise, I memorize. Yeah. Then he took out the piece of paper and read it and it was astounding off yes. the paper. Yes. And I said to my wife, He's so in contact with it. And this is all co technical comedy shit. His voice, right? Your, yes. your onstage voice. Yes. The, your written yeah. voice. Yeah. yeah. That he was not willing to compromise it and half-ass it and try to remember it. Yes. Rather read it word for word. And it was punishing how funny it was. And yes. I was like, I'm, I never work like that. And I never have. No, no it's impossible as a stand-up to even think to do that. No. And he's a pure stand-up yes. comedian. Yes. But he... He was leaning on the writer's side because without it, you're nothing as a comedian. Yeah. And so he, I saw him doing that too. I saw him doing it at the comedy festival in Aspen. It's astounding. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, in Aspen. Yeah. Uh, he was just holding the paper. Yeah. Brilliant. But rather yeah. do that than like then, you were, I'm certain you or I would wing it. Like oh, you'd, you'd, I'd have a three headquarters memorized. Yeah, I'll yeah. fix it on the, on the yeah, night. Yes, or and stop then, it short. Right. And then maybe something will happen here Correct. and I'll add another line. Correct. And, when I was six or seven, uh, my dad took me to see Durrani. Oh. It was, I, was, I was quite young. And uh, 
first it was uh, Sonny Jackson. I can't remember his opening singer. It was an Irish tenor type. Yes. And that, uh, no, no, it was Jackson. It was Jackson, Clayton, and Durrani. But it was, this was the second incarnation of the trio. So yeah. the first guy came out and sang Roberta uh, Sherwood opened. It was an old-time yes. vaudeville. Vaudeville. Yeah. I think she wore a cardigan yeah. sweater. It was supposed to be yeah. Edie Adams. I'm not yeah. kidding. This yeah. is the 60s. Uh-huh. And uh, and then uh, the first guy came out and sang tenor. Then the next guy came out and did a cakewalk. I'll never forget it. With a fucking top hat wow. and a, a, a tuxedo. And wow. did a cakewalk around the stage. Wow. And I, my friends would go like, what's a cakewalk? You know, like, <laughs> yes. and, you know, your, your arms flap and you're, yeah. you yeah. kick high in the air. And you yeah. had a stick that he twirled. It goes up real high. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, the legs are over yeah. the head. And yeah. then... Um, Durrani came out with showgirls and had showgirls on stage and did all of his numbers and did stop the music and the whole thing. And then all three of them at the end for the final. Wow, that's got to be so great. And I remember seeing that and like, what, golly, Durrani had to be 60-something then. I think he was born in like 1900. But he might be one of the first comedians I ever saw. Um, Pearl Bailey, my mother was a huge Pearl Bailey fan. Yes, she was also very sort of funny in her own way oh my god she's hilarious fun of herself yeah, yeah. she 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 goes uh well I, uh what nixon had made, uh, imported her nixon loved it right yeah and he imported her ambassador of love i think yes. some unofficial you know yes. to humanize himself <laughs> and uh didn't work yeah uh she, so she i remember she opened the show and she goes um i was at the white house and uh, by the way, I'm going to be mentioning the White House a lot tonight. So from now on, anytime I mention the White House, I'm just going to say the house. And all y'all know what I'm talking about. And she did it the whole fucking night. She goes, anyway, I was back at the house. And <laughs> it was hilarious. Yeah, she set up a running gag. I don't know. My friend Jeff said it about me. Like, uh, I love, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hipster and I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a groovy pot smoking cat and all that shit. And, and that's definitely my persona, the hipper than thou, archer than thou. But I love all the old, the old time comedians are yes, I think were full service. Me too. Full Absolutely. service. And yeah. that's I've never forgotten that and I always adhere to that. <laughs> and I will do Pratt Falls and I will be a clown. Yeah. And I'll say to people that if you wanted dignity, you should have done something else. Yes. At a certain point your pants come down and someone sits on your face. Yes. And that's <laughs> what comedy is. Yeah. You can think of all the intellectual lines you want. Yeah. You can write all the diatribe yeah. and satire you yeah. like. Uh, and I try to. Yeah. Um, but but fart and you're going to get a laugh. Uh, you know, yeah. If if, if if Ryan lays on top of me, <laughs> yes. uh, we're going to kill the audience. Dad. Exactly. And if I get up there and say some quips, they're going to be like, "Oh, that was quite droll." <laughs> One of the things that Paul Sills <laughs> drilled into us at Second City was work from the top of your intelligence. Mm. Mm. They don't, don't tell everybody that, though. You know, you were lucky to have Paul Sills. Yes, yes I was. How instructive. Yeah. Yeah, and and then I got the sermons, and I, you know, I, mm. I, I, I. You're you're talking about the Bible when you're a young comic. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. some challenging shit. Yeah, it was great fun and interesting and alienating a lot of people, but it was great. But the alienating is where I think you learn everything, At, right? Everything. I mean, it, it means that you're doing something right. Well, crowd pleasing is. Uh, you know, it's it's easy. It, it, uh, any crowd has got buttons to push, yeah. and you, and you know who they are. Whether you're, okay, you're at a comedy club, that's one kind of crowd. You're at a theater, yeah. that's another. And you can go. I know you'll approve of me if I say this, 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 and I know you'll laugh if I do this, 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 this. And it's like, well, you have to do what you want to do, yeah. as Polonius said, <laughs> to thine own self. Uh, and I've always felt exactly like that with Paul Sills. 
told yeah. you guys. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that was it. Work high. Be, be smart. Work high. Yeah. Be and as then, smart as you can be. Because then you can do vaudeville yes. in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, everyone, uh, Lenny Bruce, quite justifiably, uh, such a groundbreaking and bold comedian who said so many things on stage that are still outrageous. Um, he always did impressions. Yeah. He did funny great, voices. Great impressions. Yeah. He, he was a, a versatile comedian, yes. actually. He could, he could do anybody. Right. He could sing. Yeah. He, could, he could spritz. Yeah. He, he, yeah. And uh, uh, that's where I'm trying to come from all the time as a comic. Because, like, I'm going to play high, and I'm also going to fall down, and I'm also going to say something stupid and idiotic. And, uh, and I don't think you should confuse the audience by not doing that (laughs) (laughs) well people who know you people within the industry within the business within all of that 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 my face pressed up against the glass gives you such respect you were there before anyone improvising like crazy uh my wife was here we used to go see you for 20 years ago 25 years ago doing things that people are just getting to now you were so ahead of everybody and I am so delighted that I got to talk to you after seeing so many shows of yours at Largo and all over the place well thanks David yeah thank you so much <laughs>